Uh, we're in a series I started last Sunday on a journey into powerful prayer. A journey into powerful prayer. And this is all about praying and getting it right. The biblical way, the right way. I did hear a story about a preacher who got it wrong. He had preached a sermon. Guy walks down the aisle for the invitation. He says, Pastor, will you pray for me? And the pastor said, surely. He said, what do you want me to pray about? He said, I want you to pray about my hearing. And the pastor reaches up, puts his hands on both sides of his head, and begins to pour his heart out to God. And after a few moments, he takes his hands off, and he backs up. He said, how's your hearing? He said, I don't know. It's not until Wednesday. Today, I want to talk to you about the high priority of prayer, the high priority of prayer. And I want to begin by sharing something with you that's very important. It's important for us to know how important prayer is. You, you see, prayer is so important. In fact, prayer covers everything in our Christian lives. It touches everything. Nothing is left out. It touches your marriage or young people who you will marry. It touches your career. It touches your finances. It touches your friendships and relationships. It touches your joy, your peace of mind, your happiness, your children, your own body, your own sense of well-being. Nothing is left out. It touches every area of your life. That's how important prayer is. And when you know how to pray, when you know how to meet with God and commune with God and talk to God, listen, you get to walk with God. Oh, you get to see and experience his hand at work in every area of your life. You live in a natural world, but when you know how to pray, you bridge the natural world and the spiritual world. Now, the opposite is true. When your prayer life is weak and failing, when there's something wrong with your prayer life, it affects every area of your life. Nothing in your life will ever be what it could be without prayer. So one more time. Prayer is not just one of many things that you and I have a responsibility to do. No, it's overarching. Every step, every move, every decision, everything we do in life should be covered with prayer, saturated with prayer. We should be depending upon prayer and communion with God to lead us, to guide us in every decision. So when we read our Bibles, it's important for us to understand that prayer is not equal with all the other personal responsibilities we have. Thank God we're saved by grace. Thank God we live by grace. Thank God we'll enter into heaven by grace. But a part of that grace package is the fact that God tells us how to talk with him. He tells us how to commune with him how to communicate with him. And so the Bible puts it 
in a very high place above all the other responsibilities. Let me give you some scripture to back up that statement. Here's the first one. First Timothy 2, 1 and 2 says, first of all. By the way, do you know what first of all means? First of all. That's not hard. I get tickled at people who tell me the Bible is so hard to understand. No, it's not. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercession, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Now, friends, if you take that verse and you just turn it around, it amounts to this. If you want to lead a peaceful and quiet and godly and dignified life in every way, then you have to pray. Prayer has to be a priority. It has to be, and I quote, first of all. So remember that, first of all, first place. Let's add to that Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So prayer has to be first of all, and then the Bible tells us we have to pray about everything. Well, let's add to that 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. It says, pray without ceasing. Man, we're building a list here. Prayer has to be, first of all, prayer has to be about everything. We pray about everything. And then the Bible tells us, don't ever stop. Don't ever cease. Don't ever quit praying. First of all, about everything and never stop praying. Let's add to that Ephesians six eighteen. Pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. We're to be praying all the time. And it's not just casual prayer. It's in the spirit praying. By the way, I'm not sure there is any such thing as prayer outside of the spirit. Not real prayer anyway. So we have to constantly be praying in fellowship, in step, in communion with the Holy Spirit. First place about everything, nonstop, at all times in the spirit. And if that were not enough, we can add to that uh, Luke 18.1. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Did you know that Jesus taught a parable in the New Testament? And he taught that entire parable to drive home one point, And that is don't ever quit praying. Don't ever give up. Don't ever lose heart. Five things. Listen, prayer should be in first place in our lives, right? Right. We should pray about everything, right? Right. We should never stop, right? Right. We should pray at all times in the spirit, right? right? And we should never get discouraged and lose heart. Now, I'm just asking you, is it possible that the Bible could put more emphasis on the subject of prayer? Is, is this just, I'm asking you, is this just hyperbole? Is it biblical exaggeration? Or is this God saying to you and to me, you have to pray. You have to get before me. I've designed it. I've ordained it. It's my plan. You have to pray and you have to make prayer your priority. Oh, friends, prayer is so important. E.M. Bounds was a brilliant attorney and a member of the Methodist Episcopal Church. 
He spent a lifetime studying prayer. He wrote 11 books, and nine of them were on the subject of prayer. He wrote nine books on prayer. Would you like to hear what his lifelong study on prayer, what the conclusion is? After all his life studying prayer, this is what it boiled down to. Here it is. No learning can make up for the failure to pray. No earnestness. No diligence. No study. No gifts will supply its lack. Friends, there's no substitute for prayer. We have to pray. I I think it's a lost art. I think the church is moving and shifting away from the kind of prayer that the Bible talks about. There's no substitute for prayer. Listen, with it, all things are possible. Without it, we're just disconnected. We're just disjointed. With it, we get to walk with God. Without it, we're just floundering and stumbling through life. We begin at no beginning. We work to no end. Oh, friends. Now, why is this the case? Listen up. This is the case because God has designed it to be the means by which we commune and communicate with him. We must pray. It is the link. It is the spiritual arc between us and God. I want you to look at a picture. I found this picture and it reminded me of prayer. I want you to see it. I love those pictures where we, we see the electrical current jumping from one post to another and just through the air. I've seen these things you can buy, and I, I may buy one one day. But it reminds me of prayer. It remi- that's, that's what prayer looks like. Prayer is when we connect, when, when there's a link, when there's a spiritual art, when there's communion and fellowship and conversation. When, When we pray and we connect with God. Oh, friends, that's the reason there's no substitute for prayer. Because without it, we're disconnected. And that's that's what the Bible tells us. Uh, No illustration is sufficient. But listen, prayer is to us what steroids are to an athlete. Except no side effects. All the, everything's good with prayer. It just takes us to a new level. It gives us energy. It gives us excitement. (laughs) Try it sometimes. Stop watching CNN and Fox News and spend a week before a holy God and pray and see if things don't begin to rise in your life. Oh, don't get caught up in the world. Get caught up in the word. Start praying. Connect with God. Prayer turns weaklings and wimps into warriors. Oh, friends, when you and I pray, listen, when we pray, we step over the impossible and into a whole new world, a world where God lives, a world where angels minister, a world where miracles take place. A world where all things are possible with God. 
We step into a world that God intended for us to live in. We live in the natural world. But when we pray, we connect the natural world and the spiritual world. Oh, friends, prayer is like fuel to your automobile. It's like love to your marriage. It's like melody to a song. It's like money in your pocket. You can do without it, but why in the world would you want to? Why would you want to do without this magnificent, explosive, dynamic, supernatural gift that God has given us? Oh, friends. Back in the 60s, many of you will remember, Paul Harvey wrote an essay, and it was entitled, If I Were the Devil. It's about three minutes long. Trust me. Uh, Write it down if you've never heard it or even if you have. In the 60s, he said, if I were the devil and I wanted to destroy churches in America and destroy America itself, this is what I would do. By the way, you'll think you're reading the headlines of today. If I were the devil. Well, I, I decided that I would write my short version of that. Well, friends, if I were the devil and I wanted to defeat Christians and churches... I'd get them involved in doing everything but prayer. I'd do whatever it takes to steal from them the sacred relationship of prayer. And I would do it without them even knowing it. I would have them thinking busyness is blessedness. And that would be enough to keep them from walking with God. They would then have a form of godliness, but no power at all with God. And then I'd just leave them alone. And let them go through the motions. Oh, friends, there's power in prayer. Mighty power. It didn't diminish. It didn't fade away. We have not stepped into a different dispensation. I honestly believe with all of my heart that heaven is waiting for us to believe God's word. I believe there's a lost and dying nation that's waiting for us to believe God's word. And friends, I don't mean to get in your face, but Washington is not the problem. We are the problem. We are the problem. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and listen, heal their land. The eyes of God are not on Washington, friends. The eyes of God are on us. The church is a sleeping giant. Well, it's time for us to wake up. Perhaps you've heard this name. It's the name of a godly woman. Her name was Corey Ten Boom. She was a great woman of God. And she's known for helping the Jews escaped the Nazi Holocaust during World War II. And what she had is in her home, she had a a room, a secret room, a hiding place. And she would take these Jews that they were trying to send to the concentration camps and she would hide them in her house. And she saved multitudes of Jews. They would hide them until they could get them transported out transported out. 
But one day somebody told the authorities about what she was doing. And they showed up at her house and arrested Corey Ten Boom. Now, the neat thing about this story is they never did find the secret place. And some 30 Jewish people escaped and got away because the authorities never found them. But they arrested her and they took her to the concentration camp. She was trying to help them avoid being thrown in the camps and she herself was being taken there. What she did right before she was taken is she grabbed a Bible and she put it under her clothing. And when she was there and they were entering the camp, they were searching everybody thoroughly. And she noticed the line of women in front of her that one by one, they searched them. They put their hands all over their bodies, which was humiliating, but worse than that, they would find her Bible. Corey Timboom, oh, she loved Jesus. She loved prayer. And listen, she believed in the power of God. I'm not sure we really believe anymore. Oh, God, give us a revival of believing and faith and trust. She believed. And she bowed her head in that line. And this is what she said. And this is not verbatim, but it's close. She said, Lord, you know, I need this Bible. I know I'm going to a hard place, but I need this Bible. By the way, you need your Bible. Going to a hard place, Lord, I need this Bible. I need it for me, but I need it so I can minister to others. Lord, would you help me get into this camp with my Bible? Said one by one, she watched them, searched them so thoroughly. And then she said she stood there and the lady in front of her, from head to toe, they had their hands all over them, searching them. And she said when it was time for her to step up, this is what she said she did. She said she stepped to the place, but rather than stop, she took another step. And she said they started searching the woman behind her. It was if they couldn't even see me, she said. And she walked right through that line with her Bible. And then she found out that they would strip search all of them and give them these prison gowns. And so what she did is she took her underclothing off. She wrapped the Bible in her underclothing and she hid the Bibles. She hid the Bible. And then they took all of her clothing away. They gave her the gown. At nightfall, she went and got that Bible. I want you to listen to me, friends. She took that Bible. And she started Bible studies among those Jewish women. And she led large numbers of Jewish women to receive Christ as the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Many of those women would soon go to the gas chambers and then straight to heaven. Because she taught them the word of God. She taught them about the Savior. She taught them about prayer. And she taught, to them, taught, uh, taught them about the power of prayer. And then one day they came and got her. They said, come with us. They took her to the gate. And they released her. It was puzzling. What's going on? She was released and left. Later on, they found out that it was a clerical error. 
It was a mistake. She was never supposed to be released. Listen to me, friends. When you're walking with God, you're walking in a holy place. When you walk with God, you're walking in a place where miracles take place. When you walk with God, you're walking in a place where mistakes can be in your favor. Oh, God had other plans. He had other plans for her. Listen, she wrote many books. She came to America. She wrote many books. She touched an entire generation of Christians. And she taught and demonstrated the power of prayer. Oh, you should study her life. In 1975, they were producing a movie about her life. It was based on the book she had written, The Hiding Place. And the book, the movie was in production. And the producer called her one day and said, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but money has run out. And we're going to have to stop production. And this is basically what she said. She said, no. Money has not run out. My father has plenty of money. My father owns the cattle of a thousand hills. I'll just talk to my father and he will sell some of his cows and give us the money and we'll finish this movie. They laughed. Several days later, a Christian Texas cattleman sold all of his cows and gave the money for the production of the movie. Oh, friends. What a God we serve. When did we quit believing? When did we quit trusting in the almighty power of God? God said to Jeremiah on one occasion, I am the Lord God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Oh, as we go through this series, I hope and pray that, that the tide will, will rise of faith and belief. That there will be a revival of trusting God. Because you see, if you're not trusting God and believing God, prayer is not real prayer. Not even close. Oh, goodness alive. Uh, listen, this is a quote from her. I just got to share this with you. This is so amazing. Here it is. My finances are always in the realm of God's miracles. Do I get a witness in the house? Anybody? <laughs> my finances are always in the realm of God's miracles. He is my heavenly treasurer. When I need money, and I often do, I say to him, Father in heaven, in the Bible it says you have cattle on a thousand hills. That's quite a lot. Will you sell your cows and give me the money? That's how she prayed. And the article I read went on, she went on to say, he always does. He always does. Oh, years ago, I, I read this amazing story about Corey Ten Boom. She decided that she was living in America now, and she decided that she would smuggle Bibles into Russia. She thought, if I can smuggle a Bible into a German concentration camp, I can smuggle Bibles into Russia. And at that time, Russia did not allow Bibles to cross the border. 
And it was dangerous to even have a Bible. Uh, Listen, the voice of the martyrs says right now, today, that may seem strange, but right now, today, the voice of the martyrs says there are 52 countries in the world where the Bible is illegal and are severely persecuted. It's illegal to either have a Bible or it's dangerous to have a Bible. Well, she decided she was going to take Bibles into Russia. And it was closed to Bibles in those days. And so she gets on a plane and she flies to Russia and she's getting ready to go through customs. And she has a suitcase that's just packed full of Bibles. Nothing was in it but Bibles. Has a suitcase. It's so heavy she can hardly pick it up. And so she's dragging it. They didn't have wheels on suitcases in those days. She's just dragging this suitcase. And she stands in line. You can read about all of this. It's amazing. And by the way, why don't we go back and read the stories of great men and women of God who have walked with God and brought heaven down to earth. She, she's, she's dragging it. And then she's watching the customs officer. He's searching every purse, every bag, everything, every suitcase. And she bows her head. Now, this was one more courageous woman. Wow. She bows her head and she says, Lord, you know why I'm here. You know what I've got in this suitcase. You know I need to get it through customs and to your people here because they're so hungry for the word. Can you imagine not having a Bible? They're so hungry for the word. And she said, Lord, would you just help me get through this and to them? She said she opened her eyes and in a flash she saw these light beings all around her and around her suitcase. And then she said suddenly they were gone. But she said, so was my fear. I knew God was with me. I knew they were angels. So she drags that suitcase up to the counter. The customs officer is standing there. He says, ma'am, it looks like that suitcase is very heavy. She said, it is very heavy. He said, ma'am, because you're the last person in line, may I help you? She said, of course you can help me. And the customs officer stepped out from around the stainless steel table, picked up her suitcase full of Bibles and took them out to her taxi and put them in the taxi for her. Wow. 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 Isn't that amazing? Now, listen, here's a question from this dear lady that may help all of us get on track with your prayer lives. And by the way, this is the one thing I'm going to say today that you're not going to forget. You will remember what I'm about to say. And it's a question that Corey Ten Boom asked. Here it is. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Oh, is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? Is prayer something that you use to find the will of God, the direction of God, that you're asking God to lead you and direct you and to show you where to go? Or is it just something you pull out when you get in trouble to fix the problem? Now, friends, let me quickly say this to you. There's nothing wrong with praying when you get in trouble. In fact, you better pray when you get in trouble. It's biblical to pray when you get in trouble. 
When there's a problem, when there's a hardship, when there's an adversity, he's a God. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. But listen to me well today. If the only kind of praying you know how to do is spare tire praying, you don't have much of a prayer life. Oh, friends. About 90% of our prayers should be steering wheel praying and about 10% spare tire praying. We should be, we should be praying, asking God for leadership and for guidance in our lives. Oh, friends, steering wheel praying. Oh, God, I need you. I need your guidance. I need your direction. I need your blessings. I need you to be my GPS. I need you to plot out the course for this day. I will go, I will do, I will say, I will give, I will share wherever, whenever, whatever you lead me to do. Just tell me, Lord, what's my assignment today? That's steering wheel praying. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, if you do a lot more steering wheel praying, (laughs) when you do have to do the spare tire praying, it's going to work a lot better for you. It's going to work a lot better for you. A missionary goes to Africa. Uh, he goes to the, the border of Uganda. And the missionary is told by the pastor there, this is a dangerous time. You cannot leave. You do not leave without me. And he said, uh, one night, some young men came and got him and they said, you need to go with us. Well, he said, never to leave. But he decided to go with them. We need you to do something. And these young men took him to a little village. And there was a woman there that had leprosy. And her skin had sores everywhere, uh, open festering sores on her neck. And she was emaciated just a skeleton of a person. And they said, we want you to pray for her, but you can't get close to her. You can't touch her. And he said something just welled up in him. He couldn't handle it. And he, he went to her and he put his hands on both sides of her face with all those scabs and sores. And he picks her face up and he says, God, will you heal her? Just prays a simple prayer. Nothing profound. Just says, God, will you heal her? And then he puts her head back down. And then he leaves. And he ministers, starts churches, trains pastors. About five years later, that missionary was preaching in a service. And a beautiful lady walks up to him and said, do you remember me? He said, no, I don't think I've ever seen you before. And she said, oh, you've seen me. She said, I'm the woman that had leprosy. And I've been wanting to find you and tell you. God healed me. She had some little babies with her. She was healed. She got married. She had children. Oh, the joy. The joy of seeing what God can do. Listen, you don't get that. Listen to me. You don't get that with spare tire praying. You get that with steering wheel praying. Now, by the way, I didn't tell that story as good as I should have told that story. But I'd like for you to hear it for yourself. Not this morning. But that missionary was Charles Watley. Charles Watley. 
is the one that did that. <clears throat> he would love to tell you that story. He'll do a better job than I did. I've made him tell me twice. And we're probably not done yet. I'll probably want to hear it again. But I'm not telling you that story to exalt Charles Watley. I'm telling you that story to tell you that there's a wonderful and glorious and exciting and thrilling life ahead of all of us if we'll get involved in steering wheel praying where we're trusting God to lead us and guide us because that's what that was all about. You see, it was steering wheel praying that got him saved to start with. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It was steering wheel praying that called him into the ministry. He got before the Lord and it was in that communion that God called him into the ministry. It was steering wheel praying that caused him to pack his bags and go to Africa. Who does that? Unless God says, do it. It was steering wheel praying that said, ignore what the pastor said, go with these young men. It was steering wheel praying that caused him to put his hands on somebody you should never touch. And it was steering wheel praying that gave him and even us now the great joy of a testimony of answered prayer. Oh, friends, friends, isn't it time we pray again? Isn't it time we start praying? Now, I want to, I want to explain something to you. I'm not preaching this series of messages so that we can have a prayer meeting in the church. And all of us gather together and pray. We'll talk about this later. I'm going through this series of messages so you'll have a prayer meeting with God that never ends. That it's ongoing, constant, first place in the spirit. And you never get weary or tired. Would you bow with me in prayer, please? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you want to join us, and I hope you do, in this journey into powerful prayer. Then the first thing you have to do is make sure that you know that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And that's the first real connection with heaven. When Jesus touches you and you're able to touch him and he saves your soul. If you're not absolutely 100% sure that you'd go to heaven if you died today. Would you whisper this prayer with me right now? Because see the Bible says for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The, the Bible says if we will believe. If we will believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths. We'll be saved. That's where it all begins. That's where it really begins. If you're not absolutely sure, would you pray this prayer with me? Just dear Lord Jesus, I humbly bow before you now. I have felt something in the atmosphere in this service that testifies to the fact that you are real that you are a genuine, real Savior. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. Lord Jesus, please save my soul. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you right now from this day forward. Come into my heart 
and save my soul. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.